In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us, Tim Kane, Retail Solutions Consultant at Zebra Technologies. Tim, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely great to have you here. And I know we have you know a bunch of questions that we want to ask you here today to get, get your expertise. Uh, but before we get started, if you could just walk us through uh, Zebra and what Zebra is all about. Sure, I'd love to. So Zebra is a global technology company. And we provide solutions that really enable associates and managers on the edge of the enterprise. Our solutions are typically in the form of handheld mobile devices, tablets, printers, and scanners. And we also have a, um, a range of solutions that include prescriptive analytics and workforce management. So we work predominantly in retail, hospitality, manufacturing, logistics, and we do some work in the government as well. So we're about a $5 billion company and we're across the entire world. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely know the the brand name. You guys have done a great job kind of building up the brand. Um, what do you think as you've kind of been, you know, we're all kind of maneuvering this new COVID world, if you will. What are some of the biggest changes that you've, as, as you've talked to customers, have seen and really customer behavior? Yeah, COVID is uh, kind of on the tip of everybody's tongue. And I guess what I've seen that have been the biggest changes is the rapid acceleration of customers choosing online as their shopping preference. And when you look at some of the statistics in our Q1 2020 comparison to Q1 2019, Albertson's online business up 243%. Target's online business up 141%. Walmart's business up 100%. And what I would tell you is that these numbers should have been higher, but if you remember back to the beginning of the pandemic, you couldn't get an order at many of these places. So, you know, you, you couldn't even get them to take your order or give you a slot. So, you know, 243% is pretty amazing, but it could have been significantly higher than that. Do you think as we, you know, hopefully, or it's controversial, of course, but hopefully at the end of the, the pandemic or when we get through this pandemic, do you think that online shopping behavior is going to continue to stick or or how, how do you how do you see that transforming? You know, it's interesting. Even if online were to stick, we still would have the majority of shoppers going to stores. So I think that we're going to see a significant stickiness to online. You know, if that's going to end up being 20 percent, 25 percent, who knows? But that still means 75% of the shoppers are, are going to go to stores. And there was a study back in 20, 2009 that University College in London did that was trying to figure out how long does it take to change behavior. And what they identified was, on average, it takes 66 days to break a habit. So we are well past 66 days in the pandemic. And I would imagine that there are some people who will continue to be online. But I think the majority of people are still going to go to stores. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. We actually uh, recently also did a study that said, you know, 70% of people are excited to get back into store locations, especially in the retail side. And their purchasing power also goes up in the sense of they like to shop more in store and spend more money. So I think we're going to we're going to definitely see that. 
What do you think as retailers start to prepare for people coming back into the stores and, and for them to really be able to really connect with their customers more so? What are some, some changes that you think a typical retailer should, should make? I think there are a few. And I think the first change is they have to make sure that the customer feels safe in the store. And that's all around cleanliness and creating an environment where you can social distance, making sure that your associates feel safe and comfortable there. So I think that's one thing that they really have to focus on. And then the other thing that they have to do is make the shopping experience as you know frictionless or contactless as possible. You know, so what things from process standpoint can you change in your store to give the customer fewer touch points? So I think that's another thing that they have to do. And then the other thing they really have to do is they really have to understand who the shopper is. Really spend a lot of time understanding who is my shopper and how can I best serve them. Absolutely. Actually, as, as we've we've talked to a bunch of retailers, they said, you know, I guess the the good that's come out of COVID is that they've been able to use a lot of the, you know, basically the the, the data that they get from the online sales to be able to make their in store experiences better. What inventory that they continue to to keep, what they bring more of in their store, like and 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 what they you know also eliminate out of their inventory. That's a great point, and I think the other thing that I've been seeing with the retailers I've been talking to is they're trying to make the online and the in-store experience as seamless as possible so you have a consistent experience. You don't have a great online experience only to show up at the store and be disappointed. Absolutely. What are, what are, that's, that's actually a great point and, and, and good segue into to talking a little bit about that. I think one of the realizations of maybe some retailers that were really strong on the kind of in-store shopping experience, they had to adopt really online strategies and vice versa. There's some online you know, companies that are strong on the online side that now see in this new world, if they have to create maybe you know, smaller footprint stores to be able to have access to their customers or whatever the needs may be. But as, as you think about that, are there, is there general advice that you typically give to retailers as they're thinking about combining their online and offline experiences? The advice that we try to give them is be as consistent as you can be. So try to make sure that your brand is represented online the same way you would want to have it represented when you get to the store. The other thing is make it easy. Try to make it easy both online and in the store. And you know, whether that's from purchasing or returns, which returns are going to be a real interesting thing to watch going forward. That's never been easy to do, but you know, anything you can do to make that easier. And then the whole payment process. What can you do to make the payment process smoother and almost effortless? Is there an example of maybe a, a retailer that you where you really like this experience that you've kind of recently visited or you know even, even pre-pandemic visited that you can share? Sure. There's a, a retailer and where you're on the West Coast, I don't know if you ever had a chance to visit them, but it's Story. Have you heard of them? I have not. I have not. Okay. Story is a 2,000 square foot store in the Chelsea district of Manhattan. Well, they used to be. They, they were acquired by Macy's a few years ago. But what they did in that 2,000 square feet was it was like a walking into a magazine or a gallery. And they had a theme, and the theme would last for roughly two months. And the theme might be love, or it might be color, or it might be social responsibility, or home for the holidays. And everything in that store was related to that theme. The other thing that they did was they looked at their demographics, and Rachel Sheckman, who's the founder and the CEO, she said her customers range in age from 2 to 92. And that's, a, that's a, a, pr a pretty wide range. But she made sure there was something in that store for every one of her customers. 
And I had, I guess, the good fortune. I used to love to go visit. Anytime I went to New York, I'd go down there. And I was probably in there four or five times. And every time was just such a unique experience. And it really made you feel like you had stepped you know, into a, a new environment. And I know that not everybody can do that, that you know, it, it's hard to do. But try to capture some of the excitement, capture some of the newness, capture some of the understanding of who your customer is as you build out your store experience. Yeah, no, definitely makes sense. I think that's another learning that's come out of COVID. Even smaller retailers can take advantage of, you know, the data and the learnings from, again, everything that they collect to be able to understand who their customer really is and be able to cater to that customer. So absolutely makes sense. If you had to, you know, if you had to choose maybe three characteristics of customer profile that better represents really today's customer profile of brick and mortar retail stores, uh, what would you choose? The three that come to mind would be safety is the number one priority, and that's for the customer and the associate. And the idea that, you know, you want to feel comfortable going into a store that you aren't going to get sick. And, you know, as crazy as that sounds, that's the mindset of of many shoppers today. And then the other thing is looking for an experience that removes friction that we, we already talked about. The idea that, you know, you can go in and you can do your shopping and you can get out without having any anything that's interrupting you. And then expect to find the products when you get to the store. I think that's a big one. The idea of inventory and the store having to really manage that inventory so that when you show up at the store looking for a product, it's going to be there. I think today that's more important than it ever has been because if it's not there, we all know you can just go online, you can order it. And if you go to the store a couple of times and you don't find your product, you'll find another store or you'll just go online for that product going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Tim, as, as you know, uh, Zebra has, has been helping retailers with a lot of tools you know, over the years. And I think their, your, your customer experience solutions, including like self-service, click and, and collect, point of sales, staff enablement, and loyalty solutions. What are some of the brick and mortar owners, like if they want to decide what solutions they can use to be able to make a greater impact on their customers, how would they analyze and, and consider how to make that decision really? The first thing that they really have to do is they have to understand who the customer is. And then the second thing, they want to understand what their brand is going to be. So let's just take an example. If you are a customer and you're offering an online solution right now, which almost every retailer is because they've been forced to, you have to understand, do you need to extend that to curbside? And you know, if you're going to extend that to curbside, how do you roll that out effectively so that the customers are going to get the level of satisfaction that they expect? So you want to make sure that your store associates have a device, ideally a mobile device, that will allow them to pick all the items that are on the order. So the, the order goes to the mobile device, they do the picking, they scan the order, they print the receipt, they put it in a location so that when the customer shows up a curbside, they can track the customer as they're coming to the location. And when the customer gets there, they can make the transition very easy from the store out to the trunk of the customer. So that's an example of, of what a lot of the grocery customers especially are doing today to make their shopping experience better and to really get the loyalty from their customers. And I guess what they understood very quickly was we had to change and we had to change so that our customers wouldn't leave us. Tim, one of the questions that comes up from our, our retailers often is this idea of you know mobile point of sale system or the fixed kind of counter point of sale system. Do you have any sort of uh, opinions around the benefits and or you know what retailers should be using or thinking about uh, in their locations in the future? 
I do. I think the biggest thing there is you have to do a good analysis of the space that you have and how best to utilize that space. So for instance, if you have a traditional front end and if you have your registers that are close to each other, can you keep them close to each other or do you have to move them? And if you have to move them, is now a time to start thinking about mobile because if you're going to either move registers or take registers away, how do you provide the checkout experience? So I think you really have to take a hard look at your front end, take a look at the flows, take a look at the customer expectations. Now is really a great time to start looking at mobile options because it does free up a lot of space that can be turned into selling space. And it does free up a lot of, you know, you don't have to have somebody assigned to that register. There was a study done not too long ago that a, a person at a cash register, out of the hour that they're at the register, they work roughly 15 or 20 minutes. So if you have them mobile, you can have them anywhere in the store. And when it's time for somebody to check out, they can work with that customer on the checkout. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think uh, it's one of those subjects that keeps coming up, but I think it also kind of goes back to, you know, really what the, you know, what your customer customer is, who your customer is, and what experience you want, you want to definitely provide in those cases. Yeah, exactly. As you've been in the kind of the retail world and you're at a technology company, you know, what, what are some technologies that, that really were adopted faster than you expected in the retail world? Technology that was probably adopted much faster than any of us expected this year were mobile terminals. And, you know, I mentioned the ability to do e-commerce fulfillment with a mobile terminal. So we saw most of our large customers ordering many more than we had anticipated them to order this year or even this year or next year. And they they did that because they wanted to make sure that they had the associates with the ability to service the customer. The other thing with the with the mobile terminal is that you can put multiple applications on that terminal. You can put voice on the terminal and you can put video on the terminal. So it becomes a tool for a store associate where they can always be connected. You can send them tasks. They can execute multiple applications in the store. And it, it just is, is something that this year, I think, far surpassed any of the expectations we had. That's very interesting. It's very interesting. And as companies have been adopting you know, that technology, what do you think some of the benefits that, they, that they've been able to realize? Or is it too soon to tell? They're seeing the benefits right away. First of all, they're seeing associate productivity become increased significantly. The idea that if an associate has a terminal, and in many cases, associates will have kind of a, a workforce task management application on there, which, which we sell through Reflexus, who we recently acquired, where it will prioritize the tasks for the associate and make sure that all those tasks are done. And that not only improves the productivity, but it, it really gives back labor hours to the store because it not only assures that the tasks are being done, but it doesn't require that a store manager go and check to see if the tasks are being done. The task is completed and it's sent up, the information is sent up. So the productivity increases are, are significant. The other thing that they're seeing with this, and I mentioned the idea of curbside, the ability to fulfill the curbside orders and to be able to bring that terminal with you when you go to the car to bring the order to the customer and take payment there, that is enormous for customer satisfaction and loyalty. And you know, so they've been using it for that. And they're also using it quite a bit for voice to be able to talk to each other when you're in a store. The idea that you don't have to walk to the back room to get an associate to come to the front of the store, or you don't have to do overhead paging or something like that. So they're seeing the benefits almost instantaneously. Yeah, that's very interesting. 
Azure, um, Zebra is kind of counseling, you know, again, different retailers on, you know, kind of shifts to make. Are there been other, other kind of revelations and other kind of thoughts that have come to mind kind of that can't help, help a retailer in general terms as they, again, maneuver, you know, the kind of the future of, of what they want to build into their stores? Yeah, we, we've had a lot of conversations about how to best utilize labor. And if you remember before the pandemic, it was almost impossible for retailers to get labor. You know, unemployment was in many cases below 3% in some major areas. And quite honestly, there were some retailers who couldn't even get people to apply for jobs. So the conversations that we've been having with them, how do you automate tasks that can be automated and use your labor for those tasks that I'll say are more important? You know, the, the customer engagements doing the things at the store that are really going to add value and differentiate you. So we're starting to see retailers looking at things like robotics, the idea that, you know, why should you have a store associate looking for out-of-stocks and seeing if there's if the planogram is in compliance or if the pricing is right when you can have a robot do that. And a robot is not necessarily going to be the right answer for every store, but there are certainly some stores that that can do that. And we have we have a robot and we have some active pilots right now and proof of concepts where we're we're testing that out. So so that's been positive. The other thing that's similarly associated to that is the idea that RFID, you know, you can use RFID to keep track of your inventory. And why have somebody go to the shelf every day or every other day to count the inventory when if you have RFID with your products, then you can quickly scan the RFID tag and know exactly what your uh, product count is. And again, it's not something that's being adapted widespread because it's not for every product. But I think retailers are starting to get pretty smart about what product categories might be good categories to try RFID technology on. So those are two areas where we've seen tremendous uptick. And as I said, the, the real goal of the retailer is how can I automate those tasks to free up the labor to provide the more valuable customer experience? I think, of course, recently there's a lot of talk about, you know, companies that have adopted curbside and, and more kind of delivery systems, uh, touchless, contactless payments, a bunch of things uh, in this space. But what do you think? Is there technology that we haven't seen yet that you think is going to have a bigger impact on shaping the future of brick and mortar? Yeah, there is. I think that we're going to start to see a real acceleration in analytics and the idea that every retail store captured so much data, whether through that point of sale or if they have cameras in there, if they have sensors in the store, if they have RFID in the store, they're capturing all this data. And now I think the real key is how do we utilize that data to prescribe the next best action for our store associate or our store managers so that they can do the tasks that should be done when they should be done and assure that the stores run more efficiently. And Zebra has a prescriptive analytics solution that we're using with a, a number of large retailers. And we're seeing some tremendous benefits in the area of inventory, keeping a, a better, higher level of inventory and in reducing shrink. So I think analytics going forward is going to be an area where we're just starting to scratch the surface. I totally agree with you. I think it happened, you know, kind of online and now it's really, it's really starting to be a big focal point in store and, and really kind of guiding the in-store experiences as well. So absolutely agree with you. Tim, that was a wealth of information. Thank you so much. Anything I forgot to ask that you think is important for retailers to think about either during or, you know, kind of post, post-pandemic? 
I think we touched on it, but I, I think I would kind of just remind people that even if online business goes up significantly, most of the customers are still going to come to the store. No, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And I think it's it's actually interesting. We've recently all saw, you know, Walmart, IKEA making major investments in that in-store kind of experience. And, you know, a lot of what you said, putting money into, into analytics and then building analytics systems where they can kind of, you know, see what's happening with, with customers in-store, but also knowing that they have to bridge the gap between online and offline and bring these great kind of digital experiences and in general experiences that customers demand into the in-store environment. So it's going to be exciting to see how how things get accelerated really in brick and mortar. Yeah, and retail's always been exciting. It's probably more exciting now than it's ever been. But absolutely, absolutely. never a dull moment for sure. Right. Uh, Tim, before we let you go, uh, I know you're in the Boston area. Any any places that you recommend visiting if anyone's traveling? I know travels yet to come back yet, but you know as people start to travel again. If you haven't been to Boston, one thing I would encourage you to do is get into the middle of the city. It's a very small, walkable city. It has tremendous history. So you can walk what we call the Freedom Trail. We'll take you over by Paul Revere's house. It will take you to the State House, to the Bunker Hill Memorial. There's so much history in Boston. And then the other thing that Boston has, which is really great, is we are on the sea. We're on the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. So you have easy access to the ocean if you want to do a whale watch, if you want to do any fishing if you want to go swimming so it's just it it's a wonderful area we we love it and i would encourage anybody who hasn't been there when you get a chance you know just go over oh and don't forget fenway park <laughs> yeah where the, where the red sox play <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome tim well thank you again for spending time with our listeners this is a wealth of information and we appreciate your time here thanks bobby absolutely thank you thanks for tuning in to this episode of brick and mortar reborn To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.